Hello and welcome back to the Game Pit. This is episode 126 and we're changing things up a little bit, Ronan. We are Sean. Hello, that's Sean. I'm Ronan. You're all right. We are just going to be chatting about games we've played over the last month, Kickstarters that have caught our eye, and just some general things in gaming. We might branch off topic a bit and, and chat here and there. And you're just here to be along for a ride. It's not going to be as structured as our Picking Over the Bones episodes and what have you. The main problem we've got, though, is we can't think of a name for this particular type of episode. Oh, well, no, Ronan has thought of a name. Well, I don't want to admit to having thought of that name. I was thinking of blaming someone else. <laughs> so while I thought of a terrible name for them, Sean has come up with nothing better. So there's true. the bus for you, This is Sean. true. This is true. <laughs> so we're going to, just for one, we're going to call this one Pit Spit. Oh, God. It's disgusting. It's- it sounded better when I wasn't recording what I was saying. <laughs> okay, so for now it's pit spit, but, but. <laughs> we would actually like you guys to help us out here. Can you just contact us? Let us give us a, some new names on the guild, right? We'll do it on the guild. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it on the guild. If you pop into the guild on Board Game Geek and just give us some ideas, what what we could we call this type of episode? Just a light chat, not reviews, just. Just chewing the breeze. And for the just, best just one... To, sorry, one thing, Nestor, just to keep it along... You know, like, well, we can't... The idea of the game pit is the idea that it was a pit and there was games and we had that, like... I remember it, the dungeon door thing. So you got, like, picking over the bones and we've had council chamber and war council and stuff like that. Something vaguely within that sort of very vague idea we have for this brand. <laughs> I call it a brand... Let's not call it a brand. Let's Whatever the game it. bit is. <laughs> if you think along those lines, maybe. Yeah. I, I was talking about maybe around the campfire, but Sean thought that sounded a bit rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking two, a whole lot better than pit spit right now. Two campy men talk about games in a camp. Yeah, maybe not. So, <laughs> we will choose the the best one that comes through to us, and only will you get to have your idea implemented in the show, we'll also give you a little bit of a prize, and it comes from our good friend Chris Marling, his latest game, which is just fulfilled from Kickstarter, it's Witless Wizards, we will we'll post that on to you, so yeah, get, get your thinking caps on, and hopefully we'll come up with something better than Pit Spit. I'm choosing someone from either Siberia or the depths of Brazil. <laughs> Sean's, Sean's posting it, by the way. That's his silence. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. I did think of that. It's gonna. It's gonna be in Russia or Brazil, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna ensure that. That's all. In fact, that's all I'm gonna promote the podcast in for this month. Right. So, what are we gonna chat about? Well, it's just been Christmas and New Year and the holidays, and we've been spending time with family as well as with gaming friends, and we've played a variety of different games of different yeah. types. I've actually had one of my more productive times. I think I've actually played more games than Ronan, which is very unusual. You play more games than ever. You've been playing games every day, right? Yeah, pretty much. From, like, Natalie worked it out. From something like the 23rd to now, we've pretty much played a game every single day, apart from Christmas Day. Slackers. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I obviously have got Eleanor and Rachel at home, but we actually don't play that many games at home. We're going to talk about that because our next episode is going to be, we're going to look back at our 10 by 10 of 2018 and games that I thought I would play more at home and stuff will come into that. But 
we we don't often actually put that game. It tends to be in chunks. We have gaming days. Uh, we played a bit with my in-laws. My sister-in-law particularly really is into games, and her sister as well. So we played a few games with them, and I ran some lighter games for some people, which we'll talk about as well. And then also I spent a couple of days with my gaming friends that I always see at Christmas, Puri, you've heard on here, and Lloyd, you've heard on here, and Fulon, you've heard on here, and Jacob, and the, the names that you hear that I play with a lot. We spent a couple of days together at Christmas and got some real meaty gaming in, including some Gloomhaven. I've been playing a lot. Anyway, so I'm kind of all over the place playing games, Sean. So I'm a bit up and down in the different games I've played. Yours has been a lot with your family, with James, with Natalie. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of two-player games. Uh, f- things like Fireball Island arrived you know, over the Christmas period, so we've been playing a bit of that. That's going to be reviewed very soon with Natalie. We're going to have an episode, just the two of us, doing sort of lighter games. Uh, family you can make that if you games. try. Really? Really? Yeah. You're going to go there, are we? That's where I went. I've done it. You're an idiot. Okay. Shall we go <laughs> the actual games? Yeah, so... so Ronan, he can't. He can't help himself. He has to put a little bit of structure in. So he's, I like straight lines. I you like, like structure. straight lines. <laughs> yes. God, God forbid, there's a pencil out of place in his desk at work. Um, so we we found there was a natural order to things, didn't we, Ronan? So first little one section for us is the lighter hobby games that we've been playing over the period. Yes. So roll and right. Roll and right, roll and right, roll and right. This was the year roll and right. don't like roll and right at all. I was surprised you were playing this. Railroad Inc. The whole thing is that you hear about it so much. It's like popular culture. You hear about, I don't know, whatever it might be so much, you think, oh, I better like just see what that is. So I gave roll and right another go. And Railroad Inc. was a big hit at Essen. It's got the two different versions we were lucky enough to get, the two different versions from Horrible Games. And I thought I'd give it a go. So what is Railroad Inc? It's everyone gets their own little grid. It's got road and rail entry points over seven rounds. Each round, four dice are rolled. They've got various faces of them and it's various patterns of those roads and those rails. And you're looking to link as many of these outside connections together in the grid. And each space in the grid is one face of a dice. You draw it in yourself. Um, you're looking to branch into the middle spaces, score you some points. You're looking to make long routes of just roads and just rails. And you're trying not to leave any dangling ends because that'll be minus points. And you've also got some special ones. There's like a variety of them. And you can choose use one around, but a maximum of three over the course of the whole seven rounds. Trying to make the best pattern. So this, I think, and Ganshon Clever are probably the ones I've heard most that if you don't like Roll and Rights, try this. It's a bit of a gamey Roll and Right. And it is a bit gamier than other lighter Roll and Rights I've played. It's quite thinky. It's quite tight. It does cause a bit of AP sometimes when you're there going, oh, I could have put that, and you're rubbing out two faces you put in and you write them back in again. In the end, it's still solitaire, which I find with every Roll and Right I've ever played. You're just writing your own thing out, and so is everyone else. And I don't really know or care what anyone else is doing. I think unless there's dice drafting in the roll and right, that's going to happen. And that sort of, it depends if you call it a beauty or a frustration in dice games, Sean, is that you are completely at the mercy of those dice. And if they roll what you want, you're going to do well. And if they roll what you don't want, you're not going to do well. And you can't predict that ahead of time. So you're led by the nose a bit. Yeah. So in one of this where it's thinky, you've got AP, it takes a while... 
I, I was listening to, and I can't remember which one it was because I've been listening to a load of gaming podcasts at the moment because I'm driving to work because I let my season ticket lapse and I've got to get it renewed and it's a big thing. But so I've been driving in and in, into work and, and that's when I do most of my podcast listening. But there was a, one of the podcasts were talking about this and one of the problems that they had found is you can leave little gaps and you might say, right, I'm going to link up this later on. But that could never ha- that might never happen, and it could completely ruin your whole sort of the makeup of what you're trying to create. Is that, is that something you found? I think that's what the specials are there for. So you know they're there. You can see them. They're so road and rail don't usually link. Like you got to have a station on there in the middle of the of right. the dice face to link. The, and those specials are quite powerful. So. I think if you're going to leave a gap like that and rely on a particular role, especially later on, you better make sure you've got a special that can make it if you can't, if it's that vital. So I think there's ways of thinking out of it. I, th- I think it's probably a good roll and right. It is a good roll and right game. I'll say that all people around me, most of them enjoyed it more than I did. Eleanor loved it. She wants to keep hold of it. She wants to get a copy for her friend. It's gone up in her room. I'm like, no, I haven't got space for it. She's keeping it upstairs. So it, it was well received. I think for this one, it's not something that I'd introduce to non-gamers at Christmas and stuff like that. There was a bit too much rules overhead. There's a bit too much of like, what would you do? How does that work? Why am I doing this again? Or who am I? Why am I doing it? And at the end of the day, Rolling Rights to me feel like apps that... I play them, stuff happens, it's pretty inconsequential, and then I move on, and I don't really care. But this one happens to take like 40 minutes, and I get AP in it. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> it is, but it is good. It's a good game. Yeah. I played Castle of the Burgundy, the dice game, which is rolling right. And yeah, I kind of... Although it was clever in that it did what... I would expect the rolling right version of Castle's Burgundy to do. It just kind of left me a bit cold. And it just made me just appreciate Castles of Burgundy a little bit more, you know what I mean? I think it's in the nature of the dice, is that well that whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. So I don't really have too much control over it, so I don't care that much. That's how I feel yeah. anyway. Fair dues, fair dues. So one of the games that I've been playing over the Christmas period is something I got in the UK uh, maths trade. And you love a UK maths I trade. do love a maths trade. Oh, I get so excited. <laughs> That, that day when the results come in, I'm, I get really excited. So, I... Yo, I, I can't get excited about those first results, because it gets rerun so often. Yeah, if you get something really cool on the first result, it's devastating to lose and it in the rerun. Someone forgot, someone's traded that away already, someone put the wrong thing in, so it gets... Nah, so, to save my heart from getting too bitter and cold, I've had to be like, no, nah, I can't look at the first wave. I'll go second wave or third. Whenever it resolves, that's when I'll look. So, and we talked about the similarity in the names of the Valeria games and how they don't stand out from each other before as we were reviewing some of them. And I remember that Ronan didn't really like one of them that much. And I remember the, another one he did like. And I thought I was picking the one he did like. But it turns out this is the meh one for him. It's Villages of Valeria. I traded Santorini, which me and that really didn't get on with at all, for the Kickstarter version of Villages of Valeria. So it was with trepidation I played this one, Ronan, because obviously you had sort of said to me that, that it was a bit boring and you... It, you didn't hate it, but it wasn't your favourite. And I think myself and that, 
the first couple of games that we've had of it, we've actually quite enjoyed. We found it quite interesting bringing the bringing the buildings in and having that sort of dual use on the cards. So you can have the card used as a resource. You flip it upside down, put it under your castle, or as a, the building itself, which is going to give you a slightly different power when you use certain actions. And it's one of those where I choose and you follow. Uh, the action selection thing and the the following action is slightly worse than the than the person who chooses the action. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't amazing, but certainly a, a decent time was was had. Yeah, I sat down and I wrote villages of Valeria and underlined it, and then blanked, and then went, <laughs> oh. and then I remembered that it was a follow action thing. I was like, oh, yeah, it does. Um. And then I looked up when I last played it. It was in March 2017, so it's less than two years ago. And I almost completely could not remember it. And that kind of sums up that game for me. It's It's got a hint of the Guardians to it in that why does it exist? Yeah, it doesn't stand out of the crowd. I get that. It, I get that. It's taken a mechanism that exists and it's put in a completely generic fantasy setting. What's the one I, that you actually really did get on with for yourself and Rachel? Card Kingdoms. Card Kingdoms is really good, yeah. It's rolling dice, that's right. It's it's the one that's a bit like Machikoro, but actually good. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, what? Machikoro Legacy, by the way. You excited? You're buying it? Oh, man. What the devil spawn is that? This was just forgettable. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, you traded for the wrong one, mate. I don't know. What <laughs> but uh, in my favour, I got the Kickstarter version, and there's a couple of expansions in the Kickstarter version. So I might. I might try them before I maybe sling it back on the trade pile. More so. mediocre. Exactly what our gaming shelf needs. Don't be like that. What you got? I'll like? be. I'm going to be like that. I'm going to be like that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other one the sort of lighter sort of hobbyish game that I've been playing around this time is the Great City of Rome which came out at Essen from Abacus Spieler and Z-Man Jeebus this looks boring oh mate it, it looks like it came out at Essen 2018 not Essen 1998 by the way <laughs> that's <laughs> exactly what it looks like Spot you'd be on. forgiven to, like, honestly who signed off on that production and the graphics and the? I don't understand. It couldn't look more. It doesn't look bad. Just boring. Just, <laughs> like each of the temples, there's different temples that you can score points for in different ways, and they've all got individual artwork and it's tiny and it's actually really hard to tell they've got individual artwork. You're like, did you choose to make those deliberately small? It's it's like Carpe Diem and that is someone somewhere has had a complete brain fart. Different companies, but anyway, it's a grid builder where you're building up a city of Rome, four of them if you're playing four player. Don't know, and it's driven by an auctiony drafty dobber thingy. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think of how to describe the mechanism. Drafty dobber dobber thingy. thingy. Yeah, yeah. It's um. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's like yeah, it's like I'm it's like I'm in your mind. I'll slide past that onto my next point then, see as everyone understands. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thingy, right? And the first player, the first player just rotates, chooses where they want to go on this little track. And then everyone else chooses where they go. And there's five spaces, right? And where you are, the nearer the front, the f- you're going to get first choice of the cards that are available this turn. But you get fewer bricks to build your buildings with. And bricks 
buildings take one, two, or three bricks to build, and but you can make bricks other ways anyway. So you're you're, you're sacrificing three bricks for the chance of getting the cards first. I, I couldn't make it sound any more exciting, and it's the it's a tiny little piece of card where you're just literally putting a dobber of a color on. It's very unexciting in presentation. The puzzles itself, in terms of the building and the spatial aspect, is really very very tactical, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. It makes for a quicker game, but again, what we've got, I think, in all three of these games is a sort of a lightness to play that will attract some gamers and doesn't always attract me. Like, you can make neighbourhoods of buildings and they activate off colour buildings that come into play, but there are so few of those colour builders which you think would be a good thing because they're scarce. But in effect, where you'd hope that that dobber of drafty thingy that we've all established enough trademarked that name now would, would be a tough choice and a tough call where I go on there. It's down to player order who gets the vital buildings because if I go first and there's something really important, there's only a few of them, I will go first. Screw the bricks, that can come into my hand and I'll be able to play it later anyway because the drafting of the cards is much, much more important than the ability to build a building every single turn. So they didn't get the balance right of that. You're but it was it. okay. Sorry, You're go on. You're selling it to me. Yeah, I think also for Railroad Inc. And for this, I haven't sold them well enough, actually, because Railroad Inc. is, is a decent game. Probably not to my taste. This one is an under-hour-long Euro in which you're making some decisions. There's a spatial puzzle. It's horribly presented. The theme doesn't make a terrible amount of sense. But it was okay, and I quite enjoyed my time playing it. I wasn't bored, and I wasn't looking around the place. I just haven't got a real incentive to get it out again. Okay. Now we started off with three mediocre games there. What is going on? So I was quite... I'd heard a bit of buzz about about um, the great city of Rome in Essen. Yeah, yeah, I'd heard a little bit. Like, it, it, was, it was just creeping up the uh, Essen hot list and stuff, and people were starting to have a little little schnifter at it. And then I was quite excited because I knew you'd picked it up. And then when I saw it, I was like... Oh my god! Like literally, all the excitement just drained out of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does look pretty wah. terrible. It's better, definitely better than it looks. If sort of like a forty-five minute, slightly thinky Euroe is in your wheelhouse, jump in and steer that ship, bad boy. You go for it because there's not a lot wrong with it. There's just nothing grabby. Grabby. There's, yeah, I'm not grabbed. It's not. It's not a grabalicious. You can, you can be a bit grabby. Oi, I've been working on that. <laughs> okay, so make me festive, Sean. Yeah, I'm gonna make you festive, Ronan. Our next batch of games are all like themed around the holiday period or stuff that you would traditionally play around the holiday period. So, anyone who knows my wife Natalie knows that she absolutely adores Christmas to the point where I always thought I was someone who really liked Christmas, but I come off as a complete curmudgeon who hates Christmas next to that. For instance, she's started the countdown to next Christmas now. We're sitting here on whatever the date is, uh, the 14th of January. She started the countdown to next Christmas. She adores it. So what I did... That's not loving Christmas. That's an excessive personality disorder. (laughs) That too. So, what I tend to do is, if I see a Christmas-themed game, I try and I try and grab it for her. So, two years running, I that is that is a man using his optimism 
to defeat experience. (laughs) (laughs) I will not let you get me down. (laughs) (laughs) So... We'll start with we'll start with last year's fair, which we didn't actually get to play until this year. It's a game called Christmas Tree, which I incidentally, Ronan, I nearly bought twice. You did? I I'm did, aware of this. They, you comple- are a- they completely changed the layout. I'd forgotten I'd bought a game called Christmas Tree uh, the previous year at uh, Essen. I can't believe that with a garage full of games stacked on top of each other, you just sling new acquisitions on top of. You forgot that you bought a game. <laughs> Don't. Nat, Nat's been doing a bit of an itinerary of my my game collection. It's way bigger than mine now. I know, I know. It's, I mind you, you had that big clear out recently, so it probably is. And she literally came out, she was like, you have to stop. Yeah, you do have to you stop. Just but not for uh, presumably she put a proviso in there, but not Christmas themed games. Well, obviously. <laughs> so this this is the one I, I nearly bought it again because it's they've done like a a better looking version and upgraded the which which wouldn't have been difficult. Carry on. True, true. So it's Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. We played two specifically Christmas games, and Christmas tree was the. Actually, the second one we actually played. But what it is, it's a it's a set collection game where you're putting ornaments onto a tree, and each round you're given a target, or you choose a target, and the other players choose a target, and everyone can score from everyone's targets. And you're drafting and putting the various ornaments, so there's gingerbread men and candy canes and, and lights and tinsel and stuff like that, you put in onto your tree, and you're trying to score but essentially points for it and there's there's ongoing points to score every round anyway and then there's your specific points and it's actually Ronan quite an entertaining game now the, the components are absolutely terrible the cards are this diamond shape almost in, and tiny almost impossible to shuffle them obviously with my big massive shovel hands the cards were going left right and centre but it's actually a very good and competent set collection game I had heard good things about it Tom Vassell for instance Quite liked it from last year. So, yeah, it's actually one that we'll keep in our collection and play around Christmas time. Okay, you got me interested with draft. How does the draft work? What sort of a draft is it? It's very simple. You're gonna, you're literally gonna hand, take take a card out, hand the cards around. You're looking to. Obviously, it's like a seven what? wonders draft. It's not like from the table draft, or it's not. No, no. So it's a hand hand a card. So everyone gets a hand a card and passes that card round to in a, in, this, in a certain direction. Yeah, and okay, takes a card out and passes it round. Um, it's very easy to see what other people are going for. The the cards do stand out quite. The, um, quite the goals are they open? Once someone selects the goals, them yeah, the goals are open. There are also uh, different scoring in the the lights themselves. There are only in each card there's only half a light. If you manage to match the color of the light, so you're you're rotating the cards round as well and thinking some of them might have three half lights on them, and you're trying to get sets of those and try to match as many of those as well as collecting your your sets and the sets aren't necessarily a thing they might be a thing in a certain place or surround the thing so yeah it was it was quite interesting okay now i'm willing to give this a lot of leeway due to the fact <laughs> it's a christmas game so finding a christmas game that's decent and playable that is a rare indeed beast i think i've only got letter to santa which we didn't even play this year the love letter variant which i don't think you can oh we played game. oh what was santa's bag natalie bought last year oh my sweet days 
Oh, it was the worst thing in history. The worst thing in history. The worst thing in history. Just... I'm not sure you're a history scholar. I'm just putting a throw in the It was the worst thing in history, trust me. It was, okay. it was, I can't even remember. It was, it was a like, really basic set collection game where you literally, if a card go in the middle and you need it, you pick it up. And like, okay, that's part of my set. That was it. That was the game. Yeah, you're not selling that one to me. What I was going to say about Christmas trees, if it wasn't Christmas, would you keep it? I think the theme probably tips it over the edge for us. I think it's probably not. Box standard seems sounds a bit harsh because I said I we enjoyed it, but for a set collection puzzle game, if you're into that type of thing, it probably wouldn't leap above the ordinary. But for for me, I'm not really into those types of games, so I quite enjoyed it just for the novelty of playing that sort of type of game. And obviously, Nat Nat liked it because of the Christmas theme. And it, it was competent, Ronan. Competent seems to be Ooh. my word at the moment. Nothing sums up the cheery feel of Christmas like competent. <laughs> Competency. <laughs> now, given the the build-up you've given this one, I can't help but think that Christmas Lights, your next one, maybe wasn't competent. I didn't know anything about it. So I did a quick little bit of research, and it was like competitive Hanabi, which, in my head, prejudging, I thought you'd probably hate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Christmas. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it was it was a present for Natalie this year. I kickstarted it, and the, with the promise that it was actually going to arrive. Boy, you would kickstart half a pack of snap. Well, we've been through. We'll, we'll talk about it. when we get to our Kickstarter <laughs> uh, talk later. We'll talk about my Kickstarter problem that I'm trying to address. Um. <laughs> That, even though I backed a game today. But never mind, never mind. Uh, what did you back today? You know what I backed. We're going to talk about it later. Oh, I know what you backed. Yeah, yeah go on. Yeah. And so it did come in time for Christmas. Tiny little bark. So what you've got, you can't see your own cards, and in your hand are a, a, lights of different colours and shapes. You've got been given a certain sequence that you must match, and you're trying to take cards from your own hand and your opponent's hand to match the sequence that you've been given. But obviously, you don't see, you can't see your own hand. You, you, there's a set number of actions that you can take each round, and some of them are just so obvious. Why wouldn't you take them? And some of them are just like, well, there's no point in taking them because I don't know anything about what I've got. There are cards that come up that just change things say that'll say like right swap the third card in, in, the, in your hand with your opponents and like okay well thanks for that it's just Hanabi did it a lot better and we don't particularly like Hanabi or I don't anyway so yeah why would I why would I play this and Natalie didn't like it either she loves Christmas I had a quick flick through the comments on BGG it's been all cool. you know I need to mention them every couple of episodes or so. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the two biggest red flags I heard, all right? First one, there's an event that clears all cards from all players' hands. So anything you may have learned beforehand, so, yeah, you now you've, don't you've, With your limited actions, you've, you've managed to work out two out of your six cards, and then... No, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> That's... Just all right, and the second red flag, and this came on a two out of ten rating comment, was Brilliant. there are eleven variants of the game in the rules. Yes, there are. Yes, mate, pick a variant, pick a good one, make it work. Don't give me eleven rubbish <laughs> variants of your rubbish game. What's yeah, that all about? It's 
it's not very good. It doesn't even look very good. It, it just, uh, yeah. Okay, I'm uh, going out on a limb and saying Christmas tree ahead of Christmas lights. If one must play a Christmas themed game, yes, hundred percent. Christmas tree was a decent game. Okay. Christmas lights, not so much. For my sort of traditional gaming, uh, picture games and word games. People like to play those with their family, especially around the holidays. So I went for a CG double bill of Pictomania and Trap Words, introducing them to different groups over the course of the holidays. With Trap Words, there's one clue giver for a team and the other team get to see the word that the clue giver is going to try and clue to their team. And then the other team get to write a various number of trap words down, which... If the clue giver says one of those trap words while they're trying to explain the word to their team, they failed and their team doesn't progress. And the other team gets to do the same, vice versa. So I'll give you, for, and for example, my word that I was clue given was flower. And in my description, I used the word mill. That was one of the trap words the other team had written down. So they said, stop, mill's a trap word, show me. Right, we don't get to progress. In the actual game itself, what it is is you lay out like a dungeon of five rooms and as you move through the dungeon the other team can write more and more trap words down and you get to certain rooms that have curses in them which mean the clue giver can't do this or can't do that can only say a certain number of words uh, just different various things to make it slightly harder for you and then there's a monster that's in the last room if both teams fail around that monster moves towards you and what you've got to do to win is get in the room with the monster and the monster will then have a negative effect on you and still get your clue to get your, sorry, your team to guess your clue while the monster's negative effect is having a taking place on you. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. So I was going to ask you, does the theme actually matter in this? But it sounds like it does actually tie in. Okay. Well, uh, Okay. I did two groups, right? The first group were half completely non-gamers. I mean, not just not obviously non-gamers, don't like to play games, not interested, right? 20 seconds in description. I got the thing out, I laid it out, I got the monster, I got the curses, put the dobbers, 20 seconds into explaining it, there were people going, I don't understand. I can't do it. I can't play. Or I'm going to be rubbish at this game and stuff like that. Now, as we progressed through the game, everyone took part Everyone said they enjoyed themselves. If people were like, I can't be the clue giver, I can't be the clue giver, when it came to their turn, was the clue giver, and it was fine, it was no problem. My real worry was that 20 seconds into someone telling you to play a game, you think, I don't know how to play it. It's like a visceral reaction people have to rules of games. Is it just that they've played so many bad games at Christmas and stuff that they just have this reaction of, I, don't, I can't play games, I don't like them, I'm not doing it. But I think also, because you know, within our friends that aren't gamers, we're known as the gaming people. And they, well, they, they no, just... no, this, this, this was a small gathering. And with one couple I know, another couple I don't know at all. And they don't know who I am at all. <laughs> so I've met oh, okay, them once before. Yeah. So. Okay, so sometimes when I'm in a group and they know I'm the gamer, yeah, and they just assume that all these because they don't really look into the games and what they do they kind of a bit frightened by them they're so only four see, hours long yeah yeah as soon as you start talking stuff. about them they, they, the mind switches off and they think you know what this is i'm not gonna be able to do this yeah yeah it would their brain just like these are high functioning people and their brain just switched off the minute yeah. a game was mentioned there were rules they were like no i don't know i can't do it i can't do it it was like it's, it's all right i you know we'll do it first and you can watch and then we can you can like 
and everyone like had a turn to write their own trap word round, made sure everyone was choosing trap words and stuff like that. It was just a bit of sort of, I don't know, maybe I'm around too many gamers, but I was like, gee, you know, you kind of want to play a game, but you're stopping yourself from even attempting to play a game. So for the second group, and that's with my family, and my brother claims he listens, so I'm going to find out if he does or not. My family hate rules. <laughs> they hate <laughs> listening to rules. They're just like, they say to me, if you're bringing games around, if you can't explain it in two minutes, don't bring it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I've got like 60 seconds to grab them. So this is what I did. Didn't put any rooms out. Didn't get any curses out. Didn't mention any word of theme. And I moderated the game. And it worked like a treat. Absolute treat. Because the first thing I was saying to these people who didn't like it was, there's this dungeon and you're progressing through and you're going to have, and I'm trying to explain things to them. And they're just like, what? What are you talking about? Why am I saying words to go through a dungeon? And that's the other thing I realised, that some of these things, these abstractions that we take for granted, puts people off. <laughs> they go, what? Why doesn't? Why don't I want to go for a dungeon? Why am I fighting a troll to win? What's the troll got to do? Why are they doing traps? Has the troll got a trap? Like, and the theme literally confused them. And I can understand why you're like, taking a step yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see so that. So I got rid of it. And I moderated. I didn't play. I just moderated it and swapped the cards over. I made it all work. And absolutely took to it. Whoosh, played two games in a row of it. So that was kind of a learning thing for me that I'm so used to teaching games, but maybe hobby games and more complicated games that I've forgotten how to teach really simple games and make them really simple. Fair enough. Do you think uh, if you were playing with gamers... Do you think the the theming of this and the, the, that little sort of change, it is a word game at the end of the day, is it enough? Uh, it's very simple. That doesn't mean it's not fun, it's just that it's very simple. And I think that if I were to try and play it with my group of gaming friends, they'd be like, why aren't we playing Codenames or Decrypto? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, whereas with, definitely with this first group, I don't like, and also in the second group was quite big. You couldn't play those games with them. People were getting bored. Like in codenames, people are not involved for long periods while people yeah. are sitting there thinking. Trap words, everyone's involved. Everyone's thinking of trap words. Swap the cards over. You've got 45 seconds to talk. You've got 45 seconds to talk. Right. Boom. New set of trap words. It's very quick moving. It's ideal for this sort of group where everyone wants to be involved in doing something because everyone's guessing the word at the same time as well. So it's not just one person doing one thing at once. Almost all the time, everyone's involved in it. So I think it does a lot of things right. It's probably not for the gamer market. And the theming is, you know, take it away. I think sometimes I forget how much fun, like, some of the the basic mass market games can be. Like, I went to a gaming cafe, and I was introducing them all to these sort of, like, things like Ticket to Ride and stuff that I thought would be good games to introduce them to. And, yeah, it was getting a mixed reception. But someone wanted to play Articulate. And everyone thoroughly enjoyed it, including me. Like, it's just weird. Like, yeah, it's a mass market game you can pick up in any supermarket. And we had fun, so why not? In fairness, Articulate is a decent mass market game. <laughs> it is a good game. <laughs> we played that quite a lot with a certain group of friends a few years ago. Right, I, I got brave after trap words. Now you're talking our language, right? <laughs> Pictomania. The boy, the boys like a bit of. Uh, we used to like a bit of Pictionary back in. The you day. always wanted. I knew I had to give you some chance to mention Pictionary in the Christmas episode because you love uh, that game so much. I, lo- I love it. I used to play it so much with my family and it was just hilarious because they were so bad but me and Ronan we kind of had this sixth sense growing up 
So you could, we could just literally draw two lines and we get it. And people would be like, how? There's no way. You're cheating. You're cheating. Right? You must be cheating. Because I remember Ronan was in hospital. I think it was when you dislocated your hip playing rugby. Yeah. And I'm good like that. You are good like that. <laughs> So, I was only in traction for six weeks. <laughs> so we, obviously he needed things to entertain him. But so. uh, hold on a second. What sort of a doctor puts you in traction by whacking a massive spike through your shin bone? What sort of traction is that? Uh. Pretty sure they don't do that to human beings anymore. Anyway, <laughs> anyway so well, some of his friends went down there and they like, brought a few board games. Pictionary was one of them. I turned up. And they were like, oh, okay, so we'll all go in teams. And obviously, myself and Ronan went on the team. Literally, they were like, literally, what, how are you cheating? <laughs> There's no way. He's drawn two straight lines. <laughs> have you got that? We did it to our family once in mine in the, in the dining room. We, the cousins were around and that. And people were literally losing their rag. <laughs> they were like, are you, you two, don't stop cheating. You'll never play games together again. Like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, you love a picture of story. Um, Pictomania. I got I got ambitious because Pictomania definitely has got more to it. So we got around the table and again, I moderated. So I, I didn't play, which is probably a good thing because I get really competitive for Pictomania. <laughs> and it's a game in which there's a, they've actually, um, it's changed up a little bit. This is the second edition, a game from CGE, in that now there's only three cards out instead of the six you're looking at fewer words and everyone for each card two people have got a word on that card uh, which I have to play it more to work out if it makes it harder or easier it makes it harder because two people are going to be drawing very similar things but easier because you're looking at fewer words yeah. so yeah you, you're drawing your picture but other people are drawing their pictures simultaneously and you score points by guessing theirs correctly there are seven numbers on each of these three cards and their picture is linked to one of the words which is linked to a number and you put your number card face down in front of them and the sooner you get a correct guess in front of someone the better off you are and the sooner you get all your guesses out and finish your picture the better off you are because you grab a points thing from the middle but if you've got too many guesses wrong and you've rushed your guesses the points thing you grab from the middle for finishing quicker in turn order turns into negative points and also if you've rushed your own drawing and not everyone around the table gets it right Again, that you get negative points because you give out points for people being correct. If you haven't given out enough points, you lose points. And there's a real balance there between drawing and guessing. And it was just, there's lots of interesting things as we played it. Because when you play it with the easy cards, it's like animals and bits of fruit and stuff like that. It is a quick drawing game. What stopped them from getting into it in, or, uh, initially was that scoring, which was a barrier, which I explained and talked through. After a while, most people got it around the table after we did it a few times, but it can still be a little bit confusing. But as we shifted, and I only went to like a couple of medium cards and then one hard card, we didn't go to like the extreme hard card, which has got like consciousness and stuff like that, and they're really hard stuff to draw. But it's funny to see how the balance around the table shifted of who was scoring points and how people were playing, because when you play easy level of Pictomania, it's a mass market level game. You're drawing a carrot quickly and guessing, all right, that's a dog, not a bunny. When you get into the medium and hard games, you're then playing something that's a bit different. And your drawing has to be more interpretive sometimes. But equally, the guessing becomes much, much more important and how you're reading another player and how would they draw something and how have they drawn it and why have they drawn it in a particular way. And the scoring really shifted from like 
the teenagers were scoring loads of points early because they were just really quick at doing it. And then actually the older players were scoring more points later on because there's a bit more thinking and understanding. And I just thought it was really interesting the way to see people's minds. As I made the cards a bit harder, they were like, oh, oh. And every time like their main changed and they were like, oh, this is different. Oh, they are. And I really like the fact that we're like multi-generational spending time around the table all having a fun time and being the moderator was almost as much fun as not as much fun as playing Pictomania I love it but almost as much <laughs> yeah I think any any of those sort of type type of games they are definitely uh, generation gap shrinkers aren't they oh that's a that's a catchy phrase that's not going to catch on <laughs> I'm never going to catch on no no come get a generation gap shrinker <laughs> <laughs> right, we've tickled around the light, Sean. It might be time for the sake of our audience to dive into a couple of heavier games, which we did play over the holidays, but we're not planning to do full reviews on anytime soon. No, I think we've kind of, well, for, for mine, certainly, I've got to get my head around it a little bit. And it was the game that I didn't really know was coming out until it came out and it's Arkham Horror 3rd Edition so obviously absolutely beside myself when I randomly spotted it in in the Asmodee booth in Essen in just, 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 a, just a pile in the corner literally a pile in the corner no advertising, no nothing there's, oh there's some Arkham Horrors over there, hang on that's a different box <gasps> it's 3rd Edition I tell you how much they didn't advertise this. While you were off on that walk, coincidentally, I was on the Dice Tower booth and someone came up and asked Tom to sign, like there was a special book that you could get with it, right? Yeah, special the rule book, like a deluxe rule book. Yeah, and he signed it and went, ah, so what's this for? It's for the third edition of Arkhamora. Oh, right, okay, it'll be great when it comes out. I know I've got it. Here, here's the game. His face was like, what? Uh? <laughs> but it's not available. Where'd you get that from? Oh, there's like 300 of them in the Asthma Days. He was just like, uh. now, don't want to blow too much smoke, but if you haven't told Tom Vassal your game's coming out, you maybe haven't advertised it enough. It was it was just bizarre. Maybe it was a case they just didn't think it was going to arrive in time, so they didn't want to disappoint people. Or and it but did, when they but got it, like it's yeah. not like it was being tweeted out or word spread. It was they literally put it in the shop, and people who happened to be in the shop then spread the word throughout the halls. Like yeah, it's like a re-implementation of one of the most famous games ever made. You know what I mean? Like and one of their most successful. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, I promised myself we were going to play it off, uh, my, uh, for Christmas Day. Uh, it didn't quite happen because I got I got the lurgy. I also cooked Christmas dinner, and uh, between the two of them, I was just too tired and didn't fancy it. But very shortly after, we we broke it out, Ronan, and I haven't got my head around it. <laughs> it is so different. Like obviously. It's a modular board, and it just doesn't look the same. But at the same time, it does feel the same because there's very similar mechanisms going on. They've taken a bit of that Fallout thing where the, the story cards, you pull out a certain number card, and it drives the story, and you put cards into the deck, and you can happen across them, that kind of thing. They've also... They've sped everything up, and you've got your injuries and stuff like from Eldritch Horror and some of the uh, Arkham expansions. But it's just also streamlined, Ronan. It's so quick, but super hard at the same time. 
I I, I, pr- I do like it. I, I think I really like it, but I need to get my head around it because it's, it's just so different. Well, a couple of things to, to ask and help explore this one with you. Go on. You love second edition? I do. It was a bit inaccessible. Oh, thanks for recognising that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Sean taught me Arkham Horror Second Edition a long, long time ago, and it took a long, long time. <laughs> Neither of us were on form. Right. What about Second Edition did you most miss playing this one? I missed, I think, the storyline, because it is sped up quite a lot. Although in certain areas the story is better, the overarching story is is better i think those individual stories walking around the streets and going experiencing the various locations they, they kind of sped them up and going into the actual portals and going into the other world and having that adventure that's all missing that's all gone so it's not as in depth and you don't feel like you're you're embroiled in this huge storyline and the world's against you. It, you just you do feel more of it. It is more of a board game. Uh, I think it's links kind of almost directly in there. I don't know if they've got much more to say about it, but certainly some of the comments have been the fact that it is modular means that it makes Arkham feel like less of a real place to play as a fan of second edition. Yeah, yeah, because obviously. <laughs> It's, it's oh, you could learn the set out of Arkham before you know oh there's downtown there's library there's this there's that yeah and you kind of felt like you were you were trodding along well beaten tracks in the in the initial Arkham and yeah this is is modular and everything's reasonably close together and you don't have to go on this big journey to get to from certain place to certain place and yeah I, I can see that but still you still do have those locations and the the artwork on the tiles, etc., is very good, and as it always is with fantasy flight. So I didn't feel that too much. Okay, streamlining for sure. What else did you gain from second edition? What else in first impression were you like? Oh, that's an improvement. Just just how slick everything was, Ronan. Just how 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 well like when you when there is a clue in a location, you put that clue card into the top three cards like Fallout. And so you go and you do, you're actually seeking that clue. You're not just going and picking up a token. You're going to try and have that interaction with the clue. And then that's going to generate through into the actual overarching storyline where there was always that kind of disconnect because you would just go and get a clue token and, and you had, you knew exactly what you wanted to do from, from minute one to minute, whatever, to hour 12 in Arkham. <laughs> This minute one, would have been a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, true. This one, you you don't know exactly what you have to do. You're going to reveal cards, and okay, now I have to go and do that. So a little, it's taken a little bit from Eldritch. It's taken a little bit from Arkham and a little bit from Fallout, and it's molded them all together. And I think it's done it very well. I just have to investigate a little bit more. In terms of sort of that that narrative, the fact that you're involved in the adventure, but there's an overarching story. I don't know if you... I don't think you have played Arkham Horror LCG. Have you played it? Thoughts? If not, why not? Given it's so popular uh, amongst fans. I own it. Yeah. And I find Fantasy Flight LCGs to be very fiddly. And it kind of put me off. And I just thought it was going to be over, overly cumbersome, overly fiddly, moving this card, moving this thing. And I, I kind of got a bit frightened by it. 
you I know you do really like it and a lot of people really do like it and they say that it really encompasses the feel of of Arkham so yeah I, it's there to be played I need to play it why don't we play it I'll just teach you to like five minutes <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got the base game Natalie bought the base game and I've just never played it and I don't know why it would be easier for you to bring the base game down than for me to try and pluck all the base cards out of all the stuff <laughs> I've got. So bring it with you. Okay. It's a date. There's one thing that actually I'm quite, from the outside, because I'm not a huge fan of Arkham Horror, much so of Eldritch, it's kind of nice that the new edition doesn't replace the older edition. It's It's got proper changes to it, and it's different enough that were you to go back and play second edition, from, from my observation, you wouldn't feel like you're playing an inferior version of a newer game that is now available yeah they are two um, separate entities i think i think that's nice from I mean, what i've heard the arkham die hard fanboys and girls are, are not happy with the third edition they they just feel it, 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 it isn't what they wanted they just wanted they wanted more of the same they wanted more in depth they wanted a longer game they wanted that role-playing feel and it's not that it's very much a board game uh, so, but, it, it does seem an odd step for that particular line to go in that direction for me because they have got a particular set of fans. It is more narrative-based. If you're still playing Arkham instead of Eldritch, it's because you want that longer, yeah. more story-based experience that's less about the mechanism. Then to make it more mechanical for this line is an odd choice to me. What they're hanging it on is that mechanism that did really work well in Fallout. I know Fallout had its problems, but that mechanism where you're sort of the stories kind of make sense and and you do go and you do experience things in the right areas because you're putting the cards into the right decks and stuff like that. I think they're, okay. they're hanging a lot onto that mechanism. I, I've, I think, and you must have done it deliberately, but you kind of blocked me there from having to go at Red Raven by jumping in. Red Raven. Yeah. Because it's really annoying when a company brings out the exact same game with some improvements in a second edition and oh. continually does it. <laughs> Mr. Lowcat, yes, indeed. I was leading into something there, man. You cut me from my prime. Hey, I'm not letting you, you diss Mr. Lowcat. You know I love him. You've got to stop doing it. He's got <laughs> he to bring does. out an expansion, man. Like, don't complete... Like, here's the first edition... Oh, four years later, that first edition is a bit rubbish, by the way. Here's the completely different second edition that is similar enough that it's really annoying if you own the first edition. Yeah, no, they did it. The first one I really noticed it was Empires of the Void. He said it was a completely separate game, but it wasn't. It was Empires Ancient of the World, Void. Second edition's coming. With stuff. Dude, do an expansion like normal people. Don't charge me the same amount again for to get the decent version of the game. Like, that, that I find annoying. Anyway. I am going to say that I am gutted that you haven't chosen this for a full review. I presumed you would be, honestly. I think, and I I will, we will review, we will play it together, but it will be like months and months down the road because I think... That's not good to me. I want to play it. I was like, Sean, I expect it to be. I expect it to be in the next load of review games. I really did. I was like, okay. that I was like, it's okay. I'm going to get to play it soon. I'll get to play it soon. And you chose it for this episode. I was like, oh. <laughs> we don't, we don't get to play it soon. You, you were trying desperately to put me off. <laughs> yeah, I was. Right, and the last thing for you Mansions oh. of Madness, second edition. I'm hearing about these new scenarios, I'm hearing about they go overseas, there's different things going on. We've got to play it some more. 
Oh, Manchester, you know I love Manchester Madness. I know, but what... You know, you know what I'm devastated at? No, I'm absolutely devastated. Go on. For some reason, El Gobshaitis here... <laughs> You're so, using your superhero name. They'll all know who you are. <laughs> so, obviously, there was a first edition and a second edition. In the second edition box, it came with the the upgrade, the ability to bring the first edition stuff into the second edition. Okay. So, like, uh, the new cards for the old the old characters and stuff like that, or new new miniatures and a new way of doing things for the old stuff yeah. and the old tiles. I threw away the upgrade pack. And then I bought some of the stuff from the old game because they're doing it in separate packs. And I can't play it now because I don't have the upgrade pack. I must have turfed it. Why did you turf it? I don't know. I never turf anything. I even keep those fantasy flights proof of purchase things. I know you do, you weirdo. I know. <laughs> you keep all the foreign language um, I do, yeah. I keep yeah, rule booklets. Rule books. Yeah, yeah. I never throw You don't ever do UK math trades. You don't need them. I mean, That's a long discussion we have every essence about added weight of those rule books. I can't do it. I just can't. I can't do it. I can't. Well, find apparently, you can throw away useful bits, though. Uh, apparently, dumbass. <laughs> Download a few more of them scenarios. Let's get them played. I'm hankering to do it because I, they always a bit like it's a bit samey. It now seems like when I'm hearing some of the scenarios they've brought in, they're really oh, exploring oh, oh. different ways of doing it. That's what I was. That's what I wanted to throw at you. I might as well. What do did you want to throw episode. at me? Heavy things. What? You must be excited at the new Lord of the Rings game from Fantasy Flight. If I knew what it was, I would be. It's essentially Descent Lord of the Rings with the app. I've gone. I'm out. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Where's that my boy coming out? He's on pre-order now. It's coming out, I think, in quarter two. <sighs> I just, I, I'm a little bit... You're going to have to take over the mic for a minute or two. <laughs> do, you need, do you need a moment? I'm a little bit overwhelmed. With the app as well, so you can play like... With the app... That was what he was billed as. They they said it was essentially Descent, Lord of the Rings. I'm just gonna, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm not in the loop at all. Work has been too too busy. I saw oh, it yesterday, man. and I was like, oh my god, I, I'm surprised I haven't seen heard the squealing. That's <laughs> how so you know I hadn't read about it. Right. Well, that's getting bought. Yeah. <laughs> I better book that week off work, eh? <laughs> cool. Are we all done with Arkham Horror 3rd Edition? Yeah, we're off to uh, was it? Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan. From NSKN, Daniele Tushini and David Turksey. Super hyped into Essen. Complex multi-cog Euro, about two hours, in which you're looking to build and decorate a temple pyramid. You're going to collect resources in order to do that decorating and building. You've got dice which you activate. When you activate them, often they get promoted, meaning they go up in level. When they get to a level six, they ascend, and you can get other dice and you score some points from doing that. It's a big, huge rondel mechanism in which your dice will move clockwise around eight different locations. They can be set up in different ways. There's a varied setup, but I've only played the base setup, uh, in which you follow the pattern along, collect your resources, and build your things. Now, Sean. Yo. Despite the troubled lineage of this game, the unholy marriage of Zolkin, designer, and NSKN, 
I honestly tried to enter this play with an open mind. I don't believe you. I, I did. I swear. I, it was suggested, and it was during the Christmas game in, and I said to myself, no matter what anyone else suggests, just go, yeah, I'll happily play that, and play it with a happy, open mind. Okay, so we're setting ourselves up to say that it didn't end that way. Okay, so you score points <laughs> in the game, but you're building the pyramid that takes stone or wood to do. You need wood if you're going higher. You decorate, you need gold to do it, or you build houses that need wood to do it, right? So yep. three of the eight spaces are to do those three point scoring things. Three of them are to collect those resources. One's to build technology tiles, and the other one is like where you come back in again and you can get some funky stuff by throwing a dice in there. Okay. In my one play of it, there's four of us, all very good Euro players apart from me. <laughs> I'm not a very good Euro player. But I came second. In the last 45 minutes of that game, all I effectively did, I collected some resources, I played some resources, I placed three tiles on a board. And that was that was good play. I scored more points in that time than anyone else did. 45 minutes off probably a dozen moves of dice and other little fiddles to place three tiles on a board. It's, it, but it's, get, it's actually getting good buzz. I mean, I've listened to a few podcasts raving about it. I know it's, Sean Dukes of Dice was raving about it the other day. And I mean, we yeah, definitely poly, don't always agree. Polyhedron Collider boys, they were, they were raving about it. It was one of their games of the year. Oh, man, it's so dull. <laughs> I don't, I don't d- disbelieve you at all. There's it's... no, there's nothing going on. There's no action. I'm not doing anything. So you, in order to get stuff, right? So in order to, the, this isn't, the, towards the end of the game, the pyramid has grown up to a certain level. You need a certain amount of stone and a certain amount of wood in order to build on the pyramid. And that's what I was doing to score the majority of my points, right? Yeah. yeah. To get, enough wood and stone to be able to build multiple times I had to get three or more dice into the wood area and the stone area so three moves to get into the stone area right then all right not all but the majority of my dice are in the stone area so the the next moves I've got are very limited because they're all in the same spot but the game forces you to group them so forces you to limit your options for the next time so my next moves are all to the wood space in order that I can get enough wood to then make my next two moves to the building space so that I can get to level where I can build the tiles and use up... The, and it's just taking forever. You can only move three spaces around the rondel anyway. And it's just taking forever. And there's just this slow creep of... When you go into a space, the number of dice, that are like different colour dice that are already there, it costs you cocoa, including your own colour. So by going somewhere, you make it more expensive for yourself to go there, but you must go there in order to do anything efficiently. So all you're doing is punishing yourself to go somewhere to get anything done in the game. And then the game, you have to feed your dice as well with Coco. But I don't... I, like people sometimes hate the feeding mechanism. I think Tom goes, he hates the feeding mechanism. We had it in Underwater Cities last episode where you had to feed kelp to your cities, right? But there's various sources of kelp in that game, and there's various ways of meeting that need. And I can build kelp farms, or I can use actions, or I can build a card tableau, and in some way I'm going to try and meet my kelp needs, or even use that biomatter, which is wild, that you can use for kelp. So so I've got options. Here it's just get cocoa by moving to a space where there are other dice, 
right? I'll take Coco for that. It's just taken up a move that was completely only to the fact that I've got to feed, and it's not clever, and I haven't got a strategy, and I can't mitigate it. It's just a pain, and everything is painfully slow and limited. And at the end of the game, we've placed, let's say, 15, 20, 20 tiles in the main part of the pyramid. That's between four of us, so that's maybe four or five each. There's like maybe eight bits of decoration, so that's two each, and a bunch of houses built. So we've made each of us done six things, seven things, in the whole two hours. And the rest of it has been crawling around a board to just collect three basic resources. So, so (laughs) painful. I've fallen asleep listening to you. Sounds terrible. It was terrible. It was much worse than Zolkin. Wow, that's a big statement coming from you. You don't like Zolkin. Uh, no, I don't think Zolkin's great. I think it's all right. It, it frustrates me a bit because you've got to set your strategy so early and you've got to follow a path. Oh, in I, love, this, I love me a bit of Zolkin. Oh, but in this, there's just... You're all following a fairly similar path and whatever path you're doing, you just have to gather dice. And people go on about the technology tiles. I got one technology right at the beginning of the game and it was... Not very good. And then I just ignored them and went, well, that's just pointless. You're just wasting my time there. You're wasting my resources. To buy the technology, you need the gold, and the gold takes so long to collect. And everything takes so... Like, moving a dice to the wood thing, if the dice is high enough, might get you one wood, or it might get you one piece of cocoa for your action. And then the next one you move in there might get you two bits of wood. And this is taking time because you're having to think through this because everything is about timing. I have to have this. I have to have a certain amount of that. Otherwise, going there will be useless. I've exactly worked out what I'm doing. Oh, crud. The person ahead of me has put a dice in that space I had to go to. Now I don't have enough cocoa to do everything. Right, what am I going to do now? This has broken my chain. AP-filled miserable. You're not changing my mind. Obviously, I did have the, the worry... That it was by NSKN. I didn't have the worry that it was a follow up to Zolkin because I love Zolkin. But I, I was kind of a little bit hopeful because David Terzi was involved and he did Anachrony and I really liked Anachrony. So I was hoping. But didn't he only do the solo rules on this? He's a cheeky fella, that lad. He's got his name on BGG for a lot of games where he's. I think he's only done the solo rules for a lot. Has <laughs> he? Oh, okay then. I think so. He's going to punch me in the face if that's not true because I know him. But I have a feeling like... I'm not sure his name's on the front of the books, put it that way. <laughs> okay, so if he didn't... Okay, well then that makes me more fearful if he hadn't had a big say in this. So yeah, I, I, I think we said it was a trap going in anyway and... I haven't changed my mind. Boy, it was it was worse than I thought it was going to be, and that's saying something. <sighs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we both have gaming partners, and two we like a bit of two-player games, so obviously we've been playing some of those two-player games over, and my one is very, very much tailored to me and my tastes. I've made no secret of the fact that I really love Green Lantern. It was my favourite comic as a child. It still is my favourite comic book character. And when DC Deck Building The Rivals, the second version of this, came out and it was Green Lantern versus Sinestro, I, after I passed out and squeed a bit and wet myself, I, I quickly bought it and I introduced it to Nat over the Christmas period. And there were ups and downs, Ronan. She must love you. 
<laughs> she loves a bit of DC Deck Builder, to be fair. DC uh, Deck Builder, we've said it a lot. DC Deck Builder is a fun, decent game. That system lives or dies. It gets a lot of bad press for some reason. Ah, not really. Only from that lad over in Florida. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it maintains very, very similar mechanisms as DC Deck Builder in that you've got your lineup of five cards that you're choosing from and you're deck building. You're bringing equipment and heroes and villains into your hand and you're trying to get to a certain amount of power so that you can attack a card. Now, in the main game, you'll be attacking a stack of villains and you just simply bring them into your hand, use them as a as a card in your own deck. And once they've run out, they obviously were victory points at the end. This one, you have three cards each. So obviously Green Lantern has got three Green Lantern cards. Sinestro has got three Sinestro cards. And they give you an ongoing power, but they've also got an attack value to for them to be attacked there is an instant win if somebody manages to get the third card and they get progressively harder to hit as, as you go in and the powers get better or if you cycle through the whole deck and somebody hasn't managed to get the third card of each other's deck then you go back to the way you score dc deck builder and you add up your points we played this and we kind of broke the game a little bit ronan in that i went very heavily attack Natalie went very heavily defend, and we just couldn't we couldn't defeat each other. So we ended up having to go almost to those points. We were one card away, and I just happened to get the absolute perfect hand where I ended up with like 12 cards in front of me, and I needed 15 points, and I ended up like 26, and she still negated about seven of those. So, yeah, it wasn't perfect. Yeah... DC deck builder, any sort of uh, revamp on that core system not being perfect is not a shock to me. <laughs> I only I only played the Batman versus Joker version of this, and to be honest with you, I just felt like there's no reason for playing this ahead of just playing the base DC, where you've got the much more variety. You can be a different hero. You can set your own strategy. These are I don't see the appeal to these ones because you can play DC Deck Builder two player so I'm struggling as to why I think in a in a series that was heavily criticised for the the kind of lack of theme because people didn't like the fact that if you were Superman you could take Green Lantern's power ring and you could also take Sinestro into your hand and it, they didn't feel it was thematic to then go and do a thematic battle game where you've sim- essentially got the same things. I can, as Green Lantern, can take Sinestro's Power Lantern or some of the Sinestro core into my hand. And it, it didn't, yeah, it didn't seem, why, why? Why why would I be able to do that? You're not changing it enough from the original game. So why really are you doing it? I liked it because it was Green Lantern, but I don't think anybody would like it above the base game no i can't see so either but you did you did pull me into or you did remind me of something do you ever listen to or watch roll for crit i i know of them i think i have listened to them in the past but not for a little while 
Okay, so they, they are basically a video series on YouTube, but they also release it as a podcast. Many more people watch and listen to them than listen to us, so maybe this is not news to anyone, but, but I really like them anyway. They're two guys, they're very knowledgeable, but they're not too serious, you know, but they, they do know what they're talking about. They talked about, this is this the best thing about you mentioning this game, the eighth crossover pack for DC Deck Builder. Right. <laughs> it's called Batman Ninja. Okay. Based apparently on an animated feature, also called Batman Ninja, which let's face it, we now have to watch. All right, I'm just going to read you out a little bit of the description of how it plays. All right, so uh, you can play as, by the way, Batman, Catwoman, Robin, Red Robin, Red Hood, and Nightwing um, in feudal Japan. But the description is: the supervillains, the Joker, the Penguin, Poison Ivy, Deathstroke, and Two Face are the Damios who battle from within giant castles that came to, that come to life. When the fifth one has been defeated, the five castles merge to become one final titanic challenge. The cardbacks of the supervillains each form a portion of the giant merged castle with the Joker's head at the top. Right. Get me that? No, I'm frightened. <laughs> yeah, that's <sounds> amazing. <laughs> so forget Green Lantern and Sinestro, forget the jewel thing, forget all the other things. You need to get crossover pack eight Batman Ninja. You know what the best thing for me for about the Green Lantern Jewel Pack? Go on. Is that it's got its own set of punches, weaknesses. With Batman. All, <laughs> with, with Green Lantern. Yeah, sorry, with, with Green Lantern. So I can just port them and they can be my personal starting cards. You're a sad, sad wee fella, aren't you? I am. Do you know what? Complete aside here. Reading that Batman Ninja reminded me. Have you ever seen the film 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves? I have not seen it. I know of it, though. Really? I watched it the other night with the kids, and we really liked it. It's <laughs> not the best right. movie in the world. It's a bit silly, but it's yeah. feudal Japan, but it's got like supernatural things in it. Yeah, yeah. So there are creatures and demons and powers, and there's a witch, and there's quite a lot of famous actors in it as well. And we really, really enjoyed it. It was like maybe one of the best movies we watched over Christmas. So. Did somebody kill his dog? No. Spoilers. And do you hear Rachel going mental in the background? Because she <laughs> loves animals, so no. <laughs> no. But anyway, 47 Ronin. It was good. We really enjoyed it. It wasn't a great piece of cinema. It was just really fun. I really want to see that new Spider-Man, the verse. Everyone's going on about it, man. Everyone's going on about it, but Rachel's got no interest and the kids actually haven't got that much interest. So Uh, James is mad for it. Oh yeah. Well, you've got a seven year old boy. I've got a 16 year old girl. (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Aquaman was quite good. I know you don't believe me, me, but it was, it was actually decent. I can't imagine he showed a full range of human emotions. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just can't imagine it that, that genius actor you oh, ain't got to be like that look that man's got his own personal things he's good at should we move on to the next two player game after a little yes it's actually yeah one, one I'm quite interested to hear because we, we previewed this one and it we sounded did. a bit crazy but I think we both liked the thought of it it's Papering Jewel from Mandu and Martin Nedegaard Anderson there's a three by three grid you get a set of cards which are half see-through, half have got patterns on them, either in a rectangle, as in it's a line of two of the squares, or diagonally, so opposite squares on your your two-by-two square cards have got patterns on them. And you, on your turn, are going to put 
have your hand of three cards, one or more cards onto the set shared grid, and you must make at least one of the six patterns available. There are three colors and three patterns. There's polka dots, squares, and stars, and there's red and pink and purple. There's not, there's orange and pink and purple. And if you get three of the same thing in a line, any which way round, like noughts and crosses, then that is a pattern and you must make at least one. However, also, you must break up any patterns which have been established by the previous player on their go. So if Sean left me with a line of three oranges, I must break out the line of three oranges. I cannot make another line of three oranges, but I must also make another line, maybe a line of purples and a line of polka dots and do two. And in the advanced version, you draw as many cards as patterns you have made. And in a more advanced version, your pictures on your cards, your coloured in areas, are not just the colours and the shapes. You also get your own symbol sometimes on them. And your opponent cannot allow your symbol to be showing at the end of their turn or they automatically lose. The game takes about a minute to teach. Gameplay varies from about two minutes to at the very outside 15 minutes, but usually done in under 10. It's a dynamic puzzle you're constantly shifting and thinking there are definitely enough it's very simple enough different ways to think about these patterns and what you do with your cards also what the other person has on their cards affects what you want to do because you don't want to make it easier for them to make a pattern if you can see they've got pink polka dots you don't want to set up lines of polka dots or pink because they'll be easier for them to make a three so you're considering there's just enough information for you to think backwards and forwards get a little bit of ap but not too much isn't it harder for one player than the other one isn't that one of the criticisms of it the diagonals are harder than the whatever it is um i'm not well, sure one player's got to get a certain pattern and the other one the other player's got to get another different type of no you're trying to get the same patterns but on your cards one person their patterns are a rectangle so one half of their card is patterns and one half is clear and for the other person the diagonals opposite squares of theirs is clear so it's more obvious how to play the rectangles yeah as in it's easier to, to work out spatially what you're doing and in the initial setup the very quick games will come if the rectangle player wins because the initial setup, you can really screw the diamond player. So you have to be careful as the diamond player where you're putting your card. But once you know that, uh, either can win. So I don't, I, I mean, look, <laughs> there's lots of things I'm not sure about it. Every time I play it, I'm not sure about it. And I've played it 11 <laughs> times. <laughs> so I've come back 10 times to play it again. After going, oh, I don't know. So I've got 11 plays out of it. I'm pretty sure I've hit my value marker already. That's like 24 minutes, though. Well, they are, a 10-minute game's not unusual. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You could, it depends. It just depends on, like, if you someone pulls out, let's say, I'm trying to think of how it, you would work it out. Say they've made a purple line, and you're trying to block it, but they've drawn lots more purples. It's very hard to completely block it. So you know that they're going to come back in again on purple. And then if you draw purple cards, you can't make a purple line because they're in control of purple until they don't make it on their turn. And then so you placing purple can only help them. So you can get in situations like that where, oh, crud, if I play this, it's making it easier for them to beat me. And you can definitely lose because of the draw of the cards. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting enough to think around anyway. And it is a bit throwaway. 
But it's the perfect length for a throwaway. It is. And I keep coming back to it. Okay. Yeah. So it's not much of an opinion other than it's interesting. I'm not sure it's completely balanced. I'm really not sure about the own player markings things. I think there's definitely too many of them in your deck when you include them. You can choose to include them or not. But when you do include them, they can hinder you as much as help you. But it's an interesting alternative to, you know, just sitting there doing that. Throwing out a quick game of two or three of paper in jewel while you're waiting for a meal to turn up is quite fun. It gives you something yeah. to talk about. And you can see the pattern of play and you can chat to each other afterwards and go, oh, you had that, you had this, you had this. Oh, I thought, you know, when someone does a move, you can sometimes, if you won, go back and go, I thought you could have done this with your card. And it can kind of open up a completely different shape to you and go, I never even thought about turning it around that way. So, cool. yeah, definitely worth a think. Why not? Indeed. Well, paper in jewel, why not? It should be the tagline. <laughs> Right, that's all the games we've played, Sean, that we're going to talk about. Now we're going to head into your happy place. Well, not 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 so much. My, uh, <laughs> Kickstarter, a- my acquisition disorder place. <laughs> How many other podcasts are we going to reference this episode? Oh, man. So I've I kind of realised that throughout 28, well, throughout the last three years, really, I just kind of, I've got this fear of missing out. And I'm almost buying games just in case they might be good and I might miss out or because they've got good Kickstarter extras and... and is this just on Kickstarter or in general? It's just Kickstarter because... And I think what fuels that is that because Kickstarter, there's a finite time to get that product. So it, when, it, when it comes to stuff being released, I'm not that fast because I know... Unless it's a, a really small company. I know that three months down the line, I can go into a shop and buy that game. And it'd probably be a bit cheaper. But with Kickstarter, so many stuff is exclusive, and you've just got that small window to get it. It kind of it, it, it eats at me. It's like, oh, I've really got to get that. I'm going to miss out. And I might not see that again, because it might just be a Kickstarter exclusive. Think people like Awaken Realms, have, have they've said like, that it is just Kickstarter only. You're not going to see their products unless you back their Kickstarters. I think um, Mythic Games and who do Mythic Battles Pantheon, they they've kind of said they're going to be a Kickstarter only company. So I think it's just that feeling like you just got to get on. And I've kind of had to check myself and just say, you know what, you can't you can't be involved in every every big campaign. You can't be involved in anything that might turn into something. Because it's actually making like Christmas and stuff like that less interesting because I've got everything. And it's hard to find that game that's exciting me at Christmas and like, oh, I hope that I get that because I've already got it. So I'm really having to sort of pull back. And obviously, Natalie being on maternity leave as well. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got to be a bit more grown up, Ronan. It seems unlikely at the age of 43 you're suddenly going to grow up. No, no, <laughs> true. Um, was there something that you completely missed out on that led to it that you go, oh man, I never got my hand on that, or you missed? Was there a game or two that you were like, oh, I don't ever miss out like that again? I don't think so. I think Mythic Battles Pantheon. I missed out on the first run of that, but obviously I had my mishap on the second run. So you can that, talk us through that again if you want, because it's always funny. <laughs> so, obviously, I missed out the first one. They re-ran the campaign, and I thought, right, what I want to do is just jump in at a level, and then I can add things in the pledge manager. So what I did, and I, I, well, I still don't know how I did it this badly. 
I, I thought I was scrolling down to like an English version or something. But, but anyway, I pledged for everything. <laughs> Natalie had bought me once these the zombies, one of the zombicides as a Christmas present, but she'd done it through my Kickstarter page. I'd I'd marked her card as the as the payment, or I hadn't I didn't even know I'd marked a card, but it, it went for some reason it automatically went to her card. So it, it funded, and before I had a chance to check or, or get any mail or anything through from the company, I got a message from Nat saying, "Why, why is why, why is four hundred pound coming out of my account?" I'm like, "I don't know. Look after your own money. No, it's something to do with Kickstarter, and it's your name." Oh, I'd literally pledged for absolutely everything. <sighs> And this is, and I know I don't need everything because I've seen your Pandora's box that you you haven't even broken into yet. Nice, the basic pledge, and there's literally hundreds of games worth in that for the yeah, basic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still backed that. expansions because I like it so much. There's certain things that I was like, maybe it's a god, this particular story that I like, or a particular hero yeah. I like, whatever. So I backed particular things. I've never touched the the, the stretch goals. Never touched them. You're yeah. getting a lot of game, my friend. Oh, uh, well, I've, I've already said, like, like, when that arrives, like, please don't kill me. Even for that, though, it's a conversation we often have. Who are you going to play that with? Well, it's, it's Nat, really. <laughs> Is She's Nat going to play a fighty game like that? She's going to have to. <laughs> she ain't going to have to. Trust me, Rachel doesn't. Four, 400 quid's worth. No, I've already told her, like, that's 400 quid. <laughs> You're playing it. Or yeah, I, I'm not sure that you're going to get your 300 games worth of all your expansions out of that. Yeah, but he's yeah, it is. There is a certain amount of acquisition disorder being actually real though, because I just felt like at times I just had to be on things and back I back stuff that I just I'd look at it and not even do the research and I thought oh, I'll just jump on that. It's only 40 quid plus plus the shipping so that's fine but you do that three times a month it builds up you're backing things three times a month well at times i had at times yeah how many kickstarters have you ever backed ever do you want me to go on my phone now and look yeah god i'll go on my phone as well right so while we're doing this and checking (laughs) we'll we'll keep talking and uh so let's talk about one of the ones i'll tell you what i'll tell you what while i'm looking at this i'll tell you what i've backed today now i have made a a resolution that something that ronan inspired me that i'm only going to buy one or two games a month if that and that includes kickstars and everything but I did ask Natalie, and we spoke about it. It's one of our favourite games has come out, the Collector's Edition. It's Suburbia. Literally went live today as we record. It's already 1,842% backed, and it looks at the bee's knees. I'm glad you said bee's knees there. Uh, you know I'm a super backer, by the way. <laughs> God. 115. I actually thought it would be more. I did as well, actually. I thought it'd be more. 40. Is that all? Yeah. That all? I thought, I thought that was quite a lot. I, 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 no, I thought you'd be up in about the 60, 70 mark. No, 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 no. I'm trying to see what I'm waiting for as well. See, as we're doing this, oh, I'm back to City of Heroes replacement computer game called City of Titans that still hasn't happened. I backed that several years ago. <laughs> I'm about to get uh, Crusaders, the... Um, uh, Tasty yeah. minstrel. Supposed to be very light. Yeah, deluxe. Supposed to be pretty much family level. Yeah, of course. Why do, there's another thing, right? There's another huge waste of time. 
the deluxifying, the addition of minis, the oh, have it painted, or the extra stuff. If I buy a game and there's a deluxe version, I will always go for the deluxe version. Crazy. That is just wasting money. I'll tell you what I didn't do, though. Um, Nemesis and Batman... I, st- I just went basic pledge on both of those, and I'm, I'm quite happy about that I managed to do that. The Nemesis arrived. That looks really good. I've got... What else have I got coming? So... Xenoshift Dreadmire has never turned up. No, no. Oh, good old cool mini or not. So I've got... I've I, paid for I, shipping, I though. Te- huh? I was a terror. Uh, Batman, still yet to come. You can't uh, go from the oldest to the newest, man. Give us some excitement. That's it. There's, no, that's one still yet to come. Yeah. The oldest, the oldest one I've got yet to come is Isles of Terror now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, legend. No, no, I've got one from years, ages ago. Legends Untold. It was billed as a as deep as a role playing game, as fast as a card game. That'll get you every time. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting on Defense Grid because I really like the computer game. That's Sentinels right. of Earth Prime, which is another Sentinels version that's just been held up again and again and again. Nope. My Lords of Hellas because of the stupid two wave shipping. I only paid for one wave, didn't realise. I've got Brook City to, Brook to City. come. It's uh, the, Sad- the Sadler Brothers. It's a police yeah. one, yeah. Street Masters variant. All right. I've got the Seven Continent expansion. What goes up must come down. Yeah, I've got that coming. Well, that hasn't come yet. What are you chatting about? These all things haven't come. Downfall Deluxified Edition. Oh, no, I've got more that haven't come. I've got obviously Mythic Battles yeah. and then uh, Nittatanka. Which I'm quite, actually quite excited about. What is it? It's a, a worker placement game based around uh, sort of uh, Native uh, Americans. Okay, uh, looks looks quite good. Um, I've got Batman. Tricarian expansion. Yeah. <laughs> you know and that, that that again was acquisition disorder because I really wanted the game trays that comes with it. How much did you spend just to get those game trays? Oh, I can't remember. It's really right in front of you. It's literally right in front of you. $65. <laughs> I'd have made you them. I've got Black Sonata, Rorik Dawn of Kiev, Football Highlights 2052. I've played, I've played, played a few recently. Dark Domains, Cloud Spire, Barrage, and Project Elite. Some some of those I've, I've backed. Fantastic Factories. Uh, it's a dice placement engine building game. Okay. Um, Tang Garden. This is a little bit of abstract, but it's absolutely stunning. It's basically making up a gardener. Um, this you one know I'm your actually... biggest problem is that you get too interested in the pretty. Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. This one I've actually played at uh, our friend Steve Paget's house is a Solarius Mission. They did a second edition. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it was quite hard to get hold of, and I know I really like that. And I know I really like the next one, Snowdonia Deluxe set. Oh, you don't have Snowdonia, do you? No, I don't, no. I had no need to get the deluxe set. I've got loads of expansions and everything. This one, this one, this one, you're going to roll your eyes. I've gone for the second Eclipse. Uh, no, I don't roll my eyes at that. You do really like Eclipse, but but my it's your lack of practicality. Who are you going to play that with? Me and that play it once a year. <laughs> it's not great to play. Carry on. Uh, this one was a random one. Bargain Quest. Sure. I read that it was a good game. This is this one's going to annoy you. Ancient World Second Edition. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> oh, there's an expansion coming out for Bargain Quest, by the way. That's yeah. That's why I backed it on. It was uh, it was oh, the, the black expansion. market expansion. Yeah, it's black market, but obviously I got the base game because I didn't have it. <laughs> <'Cause I'm a laughs> oh, 
pod. I got that Nanty Narking, the the racist. (laughs) The racist. The racist version of... Not actually uh, racist, it's just anti-immigrant. I don't know why you call it racist. (laughs) The the anti-immigrant version of, what was the game? Discworld and Warport. Yeah. Why? What was that one? Kelbrook? Kelbrook. Ah, Kel. Uh, Pearlbrook. Everdell, which is the expansion for Everdell. Oh, and with Everdell? Yeah, yeah, obviously. You're supporting that man in this industry. <laughs> Honestly, that, what has a person got to do to get shunned in this industry? I don't think it's possible. Ridiculous. Change the Dark, name of his company every two years and everyone yeah. will forgive him. Dark Domains? No, you're, you're, you're dirty. I know I'm dirty. Dark Domains? I think have you backed that? Yeah. The Artemis Project, which I'm quite excited about. It's like a dice worker placement thing. I'm aware. Uh, Rise to Nobility. I got the ex- I got the base game with the expansion. How often do you play these games that you need an expansion for them, that you're backing both at once? That is that is also adding a lot of cost. I, we, I've, I've admitted I have a problem. All right, but it's worth pointing out that, like... When you buy these games on Kickstarter, man, like if, if a new game came out in the shop... I really wanted had, Rise to wait, Nobility. Wait, 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 wait. And it had four Go expansions on. available with it. You wouldn't buy it with the four expansions. You'd buy one, the base game, and go, I'll see if it's any good, and I'll get them if I need to. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Um, Reavers of Midgard, sequel to Champions of Midgard. We've talked about... I Average game. Like Champions. Average game. <coughs> you shut your mouth. The Ever Rain, which you knew I'd back. I thought you hadn't backed it. No, I did back it. You backed that based on one piece of art. And no, I backed it based on the guy talking. I have been spoken to designer, I know. It does sound very good. That does sound very promising, I'll give you that. I got the deluxified version of Luna. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I bought Luna's Natalie. a fantastic game. It is a fantastic, fantastic game. I bought Don't Natalie a game it. called Who's She? And it's it was her birthday present. Um, she basically got a poster and something just to, as a, a tease as to what it'll be. What it is, it's you know guess who when you flip up the the faces. I'm aware. Yeah, but what it is, it's it's all about women who have changed history, and you're not allowed to use anything of their looks. It's about what they've brought to the world and what they've done and what they're like. What, what they've given to the world and how they've changed the world and that's how you differentiate them and it's, it's handcrafted and, and wooden and it's, I mean, it's more of an ornament it's a, you might play the game once or twice but it's more of an ornament so that's going to be really difficult but let me let me continue on that I listened to a podcast interview with Philippa Gregory do you know her? yes writes the Tudor well not just Tudor but historical novels and all that but he's, yeah. he's a historian it's they're historically based and you just reminded me she was saying about why it's hard to know women's history because men have written history and they were interested in the men she said it's natural but people like is it Kepler's sister was should be credited with 40% of the work and stuff like this but it was Jesus who was writing it and they just they weren't interested in the woman so they just wrote about the man so it was really interesting the way she was saying about the fact that history is written by men therefore it's very hard to find women in history but that's going to make that game really hard. 
Oh yeah, no, it's it's more of a. I know what you've said. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's just saying it's going to make it really hard. That you're like, uh, I don't know many women in history. Maybe but, women didn't exist in history. I don't because they're never in yeah, the books. But yeah, I think it'd be more of uh, this person is a scientist or something. So you flip down the non-scientists or what have you. Very I don't know. But I think yeah, I think it's quite interesting actually. It was a very yeah, interesting actually, point she made, and it's a very interesting yeah. interview. It's an old. Dan Snow's History Hits episode, Philippa Gregory. It's very, very good. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, it obviously resonates because recently, it's only recently that the uh, the NASA scientists that brought uh, like the uh, Apollo yeah. mission home that were credited, weren't they? Weren't they? Uh-huh. It's a big old stack of paper that lady stands <laughs> next to in that photo. The telemetry <laughs> scientist with all the... They, this is the work out telemetry. No? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's only now that they're getting the credit. So, yeah. It is an interesting exploration, I think it will be. Was that a NASA link? <laughs> there you go. Are we continuing this therapy session with you listing all the things that haven't been delivered? That's it. Now, well, obviously, Suburbia Collector's Edition, which I've just backed. Which was supposed to be the topic that we were discussing, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you wished you wished to try and help me through, through didn't, my problem. I didn't know what I was unleashing. Suburbia Collector's Edition, why have you backed it? Because Suburbia is uh, remains one of myself and Natalie's favourite games. I've always thought about, you know, I like to pimp up games uh, like Terraforming Mars, etc. Thank you. About, you're welcome. I've Sean bought me 3D Terraforming Mars components for Christmas. They'll probably never use, but they, if you ever do use them, they look the, the best. You mean I never use? Why would I never use them? You said you struggled to get it to the table in your gaff. Uh, no, we've been playing it more because they've announced that the next expansion is going to be like a the most complex one and will change the nature of the game. And we haven't played Prelude and Colony, well, we played Colonies once. So we kind of made a thing that we need to play these and get our heads around them if the next ones are going to be very complicated. We've also taken Venus Next completely out of the box, by the way, because no one wants Venus Next. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like, I like the, the thought of pimping up some of my favourite games and they're, they're delivering a version it's the oversized tiles uh, all the expansions all the promos all bundled in new artwork because it was a bit abstract but that was that was one of my very few problems with it it was so abstract and yeah it's just a beautiful version of one of my favourite games that's why I've backed it any gameplay changes? They are, I believe they're going to fix Five Star because that was obviously the expansion that didn't go down as well. So I think Ink is going to stay the same, but Five Star is going to be tweaked. Okay, how much did it cost? It is $90 with $20 on top for postage, something like that. $110? Something like that, yeah. To tweak an expansion that is unnecessary wasn't that good. That I didn't have anyway. But yeah, listen, it, that for me, that's what I like. I will enjoy playing. I much prefer playing Terraforming Mars with the pimped up pieces. I think it looks beautiful. So I, that that gives me pleasure. And I know it's a game that I really enjoy. And it's going to be my one board game purchase of the month. So I'm also going to sell a whole heap of my games at Aircon, hopefully. <laughs> You know that I just don't understand it. I just like I know you don't. I know you it, don't. But the game, it it can't be 
$110 per year to me. It's just not... Is it the same gameplay experience? Yeah. Then I don't need it. I understand where you're coming from. For me, it increases my enjoyment of the game. But $110 worth of increased enjoyment. Yeah. That's cray-cray. Okay. I, I, I'll tell you what I, I really, really enjoy playing with. My ticket to my 10th anniversary. Anniversary edition. I love playing with that. It's so beautiful. How often do you play Boy. it? Whenever we play Ticket to Ride, that's the one we play. So yeah, how often? Two, two or three times a year. But it, it, genuinely, I'd pull, I'd pull those down and each, each of the little uh, sets of, are in their, little, their own little tin. And, I know, I've seen oh, it. Oh man, it's so pretty. It just makes me happy. Okay, Sean. Yo. I've signed up to be notified when the late pledge opens up for Tainted Grail. £4.9 million pounds and 42,000 backers say that I should back it. I was in. I was in, I told you. As part of my uh, my healing, I withdrew my pledge. Did you? I was in. I was all in. I was all in on this bad boy. Well, you're getting everything. You're paying for the extra 20 miniatures. and Yeah, yeah, I was all in. I was all in. And I went oh. from that to zero. I completely withdrew from it. Wow. Well, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Now, what should I do? <laughs> And like, you let's should be buy clear, it for me. <laughs> I'll be paying for two wave shipping, <laughs> not the one wave, like an idiot that I did with them. That I still don't have my copy of Lords of Hellas now, a year after Sean got his copy. I'd, I'd hate, I'd hate to be without that game. That is just maybe <laughs> I didn't read it well enough, but I'm sure it didn't say there were going to be another year and a half waiting for your game if you don't pay an extra ten quid or whatever. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so. Be aware when you're backing anything by Awaken Realms that they have this weird shipping system and you need to pay for two waves or you won't see it forever. No add-ons. Not paying for the extra 20 Avalon Monster Miniatures, even though you would. No extra expansions. I don't know how good the game is yet. Just a base thing. Is it just a big, fancy, well-themed choose-your-own-adventure? Yes. It's got the theme that people really like. You've got the... Obviously, it's been made by Awakened Realms, who have really crossed into that area where people trust and believe in them. Cause they do I do don't. Projects. I haven't got my game. I know, but when, when you do, do two-wave shipping, they do deliver their projects, and they do deliver them on time, and they give you free gifts and all sorts with it. The miniatures are absolutely spectacular, always. The games are usually pretty decent, uh, I think that's probably where they, they've started to usurp Cool Mini or not a little bit, I think, in the actual gameplay side of things. It was a no-brainer for a lot of people because you, you had that Arthurian legend, quite an interesting thought where you got the darkness and you got to spread the light and keep those Grail characters alive and go and have those actual story moments which is seems to be the big thing in gaming so i think they ticked a lot of boxes are they ticking my box though i think you'll you'll enjoy the game but i don't know that you need to back it i i think you know enough people jacob i bet jacob's went all in for that mm, i'm sure i'm not sure he is isn't Could, he oh uh, it sounds he like a jacob thing yeah he likes the minis puria won't have backed it 
there's not that I'm not surrounded by that many Kickstarter backers. I'm if, more like old school. I'm more the, the era before Kickstarter who looked down on Kickstarter games. To be honest with you, if you don't know anyone who's backed it and you you even think you might enjoy, it, I think it's worth it because that's just that's the that's the attitude that got you in trouble in the first yeah, place. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm I'm not in because <laughs> that's not. Oh, Daniel's got it, and I, it might be okay. So I'll spend a hundred quid on this game. I'm trying to get you to get it, so I'm passing on that. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's part part of it. Is when a, when a campaign is that big, four point nine million dollars. And, and it is a thing that I really like. Then you do get a little bit of like, yeah. oh well. I that's don't the problem be with like, Kickstarter because they're a Kickstarter only company. If you don't get it, then that that's gone. That's gone unless they do a second edition. But they will. It's been so big they're gonna yeah, they'll yeah, come they up will. with new yeah, expansions yeah, sure. and they'll put the base game available with it. It's what I did with Gloomhaven. Everyone was talking about it. There was a few out at the time. I didn't know which one to choose. I went, oh, they'll all come out. One that will end up being the best one, and I'll get it if it's available. And I got the second edition, and I'm good. I still rarely play my copy. I'm supposed to be starting a campaign. But with Rachel, you play but... the you play the game. But yeah, but not my yeah. copy. I don't need to have it. Yeah, but you enjoy it. I love it. You're spoiling the next episode. All right. So Tainted Grail. Oh, well, I haven't got the email yet. I need to make my mind up. So anyone's got any thoughts on Tainted Grail? Yes or no? Should I back it? I don't know anyone around me who's backing it. Uh, I will probably end up playing it solo, I would guess. Is it just choose your own adventure? Is there more to it? By all means, be in contact maybe in the guild and let me know. And the very last thing, Sean, God, we got bogged down in Kickstarter there, is... It's another one I, I actually withdrew my my pledge for. It's just something I don't need, and it was a, a nice to have, is, is Folded Space, who are do um, the sort of moulded foam inserts. Very easy to put together... It's just it's an alternate to wood wood inserts, isn't it? And but easier to handle, easier to put together. Maybe not as sturdy. I don't know. But they they do a a big range of games every every year. They all every six months. This is their third campaign, and yeah, they had some games that I really liked. They had Anachrony there, Concordia. I was in for at least a couple of the games to, to add inserts to, but then I just realised, you know what? For the two minutes they'll su- they'll save me, and for that slight sort of pleasing aesthetic in terms of everything's in its own compartment, do I really want to drop forty quid? Probably not. Yeah, and uh, it looks like the amount of money you have to spend depends on you can very much tailor make. Um, yeah, you you choose you choose what you want from a big list. Yeah, so I've got one folded space set of inserts. I bought it last month and put it together. You're right; it's really easy to put together. It doesn't have the satisfaction of a nice wooden insert or one of the nice boxes you can get for a game. Like, I've got a big wooden box for Arkham Horror card game. <laughs> from you, I've got a big wooden box for Dominion from back in the day, remember? Oh, that was a fortune. <laughs> yeah. That was like uh, 200 quid, that was. Oh, man. You're crazy. <laughs> Thankfully, they sent you two and I got one. Anyway, <laughs> I bought a folded space one. Um, It was for the Voyages of Marco Polo uh, to fit plastic expansion and stuff like that in. And it was easy to put together. Unfortunately, I found out after I bought it, you can't close the box with it in. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't fit. <laughs> That's probably, you. That's probably you putting it together. It says in the instructions... Your game, your box lid will sit four millimetres or so free off it. I'm like, oh, 
Why did Sonic like that thing? I still haven't put together all of my Gloomhaven one. I'm not surprised. That is brutal. But uh, there you go. Lean on to that. That is the one game that I have played that has an insert that you think that insert it makes it a lot easier. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's well known. That's that's why it's quite expensive to yeah. get a Gloomhaven insert. But it's well known for like halving the time it takes to set up. Uh, I mean, it's not just the setup. It's the fact that with Gloomhaven, because things happen. Monsters get summoned. You unveil the map as you go, especially if you're using yeah, the app. You'll be able to find the them quickly. That you can find stuff quickly. That's what it's much better for. I think yeah. there's other things that I'd get for free first for Gloomhaven. Like there's a thing that manages the monsters for you, so you don't have to use card decks, and it tells you oh, what they right. do, and you can track their health and all that. That is absolutely fantastic. I, you know, you know what the grail is, though, Ronan. It's the big damn crate. The big damn crate. I really want the big damn crate. For Firefly, I know you do. That sort of thing, I can... If it's like your favourite game and you play it a lot, I can understand investing that amount of money into it. With Folded Space, it feels like a weird sort of half and half. And I don't know that it's making the game any quicker to set up because it's just like having baggies, only they're little phone boxes. And you put them out and it's... I think the ones where it's got... Like, say, Caverna. For Caverna, all the components come out of the box and they just sit around in the boxes that they sit inside the box with. Same with, with Marco trays. Polo. Exactly the same. There's like little trays that everything sits like the camel's sitting in it and the spice and the gold. And it's yeah, like... well, Marco Polo hasn't got like a quarter of the components of something like Caverna. Yeah, but it's the same thing. that They're sitting in a phone box. Right? They can just sit on the table. It's not... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like this thing was on sale, the Marco Polo wise, like a tenner. I bought it. I'm like, okay, it's it's neither fish nor fowl to me. It's not like the luxury of having a really nice crate, a really nice box, a really nice insert. There. But it was something that's in there, and it's okay. I think for the bigger games, when it when there are lots and lots of different stuff. To be honest, the would... fact I think that four millimeters is what is what's really putting me off. Yeah, that that would really upset me. That it's not anywhere on the me. outside. It's only on the inside when you put it together. It's I hate heavy, I right? hate when box box lids don't come down yeah. the whole way. So yeah. maybe that's kind of turned me off the whole <laughs> idea of folders. It's fine. It's good. I'm gonna pay a tenner for it. But then I'm the the heathen that you know I'm not fussed about components or what they look like or it's fine for them to sit on the table as long as they sit quite neatly. That's okay. Right. <laughs> um, I think we've held these people for a good two hours near enough with our pit spitting. <laughs> we had to get through your therapy session about kickstarting, mate. We did, didn't we just? Are you feeling so, better for it? A little bit, a little You're bit. feeling cleansed? <laughs> Is it rare that you would be cleansed? Yeah, anything else to talk about? Are we good? Have you had a look at La Stanza? Don't. Ronan sent me the... Uh, Link to La Stanza, which is in on Kickstarter at the moment. Because it's your uh, boys. It's your what's your game, boys? Yeah, yeah. My my wife saw the text coming in and promptly said a rake of abuse to Ronan directly to me. <laughs> directly, not even, not even filtered, not even any diplomacy, just directly to me. <laughs> Did you look at it though? I I watched Board Game Breakfast this morning and they mentioned it. It looks cool. Okay, I need to have a It's got a it. deluxe only version though that's only available on Kickstarter. You don't start, need it. My eye was twitching. You don't need it. Come on, ah, Twitch. No, I don't want to. It's not important. It doesn't matter. 
the cardboard pieces may be more functional than the wooden pieces. Don't forget that. That happens quite often. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, before before we do see, see everyone out again, Ronan, just to reiterate, uh, I'm not happy with Pit Spit. I think Ronan secretly loves it. And we are offering a prize for people coming up with the names for the show. It has to be loosely based around our sort of game pit style, dungeony pit kind of. You should say pit dungeon. more often. They might get. Should I? Should you I get say the clue? pit more? Yeah. Spit pit. Make a uh, pitch. That, that was, that was Don't let me pit you off. You're the pit. And yes, there is a copy of the brand new Chris Marlin game, Witless Wizards, available for whoever comes up with the best idea for the the name of this style of show that we're doing. Please come along to our Board Game Geek Guild and give. We're just going to get loads of, of requests to just not do it again because we're just rambling away about nothing and listing <laughs> Kickstarter games that came back two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sure. Next time, we're gonna be going over our ten by ten from twenty eighteen. Yeah, finally, we're gonna be well. My uh, one one by ten. One by three. <laughs> one by three. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we we should be doing that, and we'll be choosing ten new games. We will for twenty nineteen. Not play ten times in the next year. Jolly good. We certainly won't. And then we'll have a bunch more reviews We've done our coming. Reviews, uh, maybe another one of these, and then we'll probably be Who knows? in aircon territory. Oh, we're getting close. So we will be at aircon the first weekend in March in Harrogate in Yorkshire in the UK. Go to the aircon website. You can look up A I R E C O N to see details. There will be other. Much more distinguished guests than us there. But this is the con that we say is one of those that we just play games at. So we'll be hanging around. Most impressively, um, the the lady Kim... Kim name? Joy. From, Kim Joy from... Uh, Great British Bake Off will be there. And, and she's she been interacting with us tweet. on Twitter. I'm so excited. <laughs> did you see her little cat cookies the other day? Amazing. So, yeah. Natalie was beside herself. She was like... Do you- do you think she would talk to me if I said hello? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I might just go and sit near her and just smile and just be in a happy place. Shall we just bring our bake some cookies and bring them along? Yes, we're not do that. <laughs> you are Van Gogh. I just knocked up this sketch. What do you think? I think you're an idiot. <laughs> I just that was more like like this is how you do it properly. Just oh, present this horrific thing. Like that's a bit, that's a bit feisty, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's just give the woman some space and just admire her from afar. Okay. Do you want to see us out? Okay. This has been the Game Pit Podcast. We are proud members of the Dice Tower Network. Head to the dicetower.com, the dicetower.com for gaming goodness galore and anything you could ever wish for. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Spotify and Podbean and Stitcher and anywhere you can get good podcasts and this one. If you head to YouTube slash C slash The Game Pit, you will find our pit stop videos, quick rules, overviews and some convention coverage for your delight. 
If you want to get hold of us, please head across to our guild and give us a better name than uh, Pitspit for this type of episode. You can always chat to us about whatever you like over there. Tell me if I should be back in Tainted Grail. Tell Sean to stay away from Kickstarter Deluxe Fine Editions and all the rest of it. You can also email us at thegamebitpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow what we're doing, we are most active on Twitter. Also, we are on Instagram and Facebook where you can catch up with us. We thank you very, very much for listening to us this episode and we will catch you next time. The music is by E. Aaron.